Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good day, Internet. It is Thursday, October 24th. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and today I've got something a little different for you. This past weekend, I attended Paradox Interactive's PDXCon 2019 in Berlin at Paradox's invitation and at their expense for travel and lodging. While I was there, I had a number of interesting interviews that I'll be sharing with you over the coming days, but perhaps none so interesting as this conversation with Paradox creative director, Johan Andersson. I've known Johan for about 10 years. When I first met him, he was heavily involved in the day-to-day design and programming of just about every game that Paradox made. In the time since then, Paradox has gone from being a small niche strategy studio to one of the most important names in PC strategy gaming. And Johan has gone from building games almost by hand to being the creative lead of a studio that employs hundreds. Johan and I met at the end of a long day, and these two topics were front of mind for both of us. Johan has become what most of us would call rich after a lot of lean years in Paradox's early days. Second, he's a game designer for whom financial and business success are becoming increasingly estranged from creative success. I was talking about how like your generation of Paradox guys yeah. all came out pretty well. The business yeah. growing, uh, the stock offering and everything. And we're still talking about like... What does that progression look like for people who are just starting? I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit challenging. For them, it's just a job. Yeah. For us, we built it through, like, yeah, we were a small garage company and then just grew and grew and grew together. It's like people like Henrik and Chums and me and, of course, Fred. In that time, He has also become a very well-off studio executive, thanks to an ownership stake in Paradox that paid off handsomely with an initial public offering in 2016. In 2019, he released the first new Paradox strategy IP since 2016's Sci-Fi Forex Stellaris, and the first game Johan has been the lead designer of since 2013's Europa Universalis 4. It's tough because for a lot of people, when a job is a job, I think the thing that gets scary is you're probably not looking at a great payday at the end of the rainbow, right? No. Like, people starting at Paradox now, there's never going to be another IPO. You no. know what I mean? There's never any, like... No, and there... Did, <clears throat> this, there that was an interesting thing. It was, it was like, we lost a really, really good engine programmer. He was very well paid. Uh, he was very respected and had a great career with us. But he didn't go somewhere else for much higher pay. He went to a startup... <clears throat> run by Linda Kibi uh, that used to be a paradox, a bunch of products like Warps and Studios, because it could be a part of a new company growing up where he actually have uh, better opportunities for his future. Yeah. And it's like, you can never compete with that. So that's a challenge. And I super respect people that do this. But, but there's also no guarantee that's going to work out. No, like, but it's a sh- 
I mean, it's an indisturbing yeah. threat. He's always going to be like able to land on his feet if you're an experienced graphics and engine programmer. Yeah. It's, so I don't know. Was there a moment when you knew this was going to work out? Like really, really well. Because I know that like early days of Paradox were pretty rough, right? Yeah, like, well, you tell some shady people. Yeah, we lost uh, so many projects we didn't get paid for. A lot of times we're basically, you know how it is. You've been a freelancer. Yeah. You know how it is when you don't pay when you don't get paid as a freelancer. It's chaos. Yeah, and for us it was like we were. We were get, not getting paid from people, and we were supposed to pay people. We just couldn't pay people because we didn't get the money and so on. Yeah. So um, since we're a company, we have in Sweden the law is that you have to pay salaries first. Practically, almost never had money beyond that at some point. So I were like, we kept going through like freelance uh, contracts for various things. Like we have to take a new one because we're like six months late with small payments. No, that sucked. You'd have to fulfill a freelance job to keep the company going? No, no. what I'm saying is that when oh. we had, a, let's say, someone doing a layout on a manual. Yeah. Okay, we were sometimes months late with payment because we actually did not have a single kroner because we would have not been able to pay salary for someone. And those are different. Yeah, legally they're different. Yeah. 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 But and it's like... Now we're a big company. I know there's a lot of people that were really upset 15 years ago, but that was the reality. Was there a point where you were like, oh shit, I think we're going to become pretty well-off, like rich guys doing this? Uh, or did it, slow, did it happen so slowly that... Well, like, around the IPO. Yeah. I, it's like, before, a little bit I mean, before that, I had like, we were taking in investors. I was sold a third of my shares for like, what could have been like twenty, thirty thousand dollars, yeah. which is a lot of money. Yeah. But that was like half percent of the company. Um, today, <laughs> that would have been like hundred times as valuable, at least, or even more. I can't remember. Yeah. But that was a lot of money for me back then. That could that helped me with the payment mortgage and all those stuff. But and that was just ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit slowly. I don't think until we started with the IPO, we never realized it was gonna be. So for you, it was always like you like you were just focusing on strategy. Yeah. And making your games. Well, and uh, making sure that we're profitable and running the studio so that we earned enough money and so on. Uh, curiosity has, um, I know you're still, like, you still say you have the final, the final call on a lot of uh, yeah. development. Um, but how often, like, you mentioned that you're, like, flying up to Stockholm to do, like, what is it, uh, three times a week, you said? No, no three uh, weeks in a month. Three weeks in a month? Yeah, so, but I'm commuting, basically. Yeah. Because I, technically, I live in Sweden. That sounds pretty rough, honestly. What? Being away from your family for three weeks a month. Yeah, but it's like, then I have a... But I'm there on weekends. And, yeah. But it's... Uh, it gets a more focused life when I'm yeah. there and when I'm at work. So. And then when you're home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
does it has it changed how you feel about the work at all? Because like, there's a big difference between when you have to work. You know what I mean? When you ha- like, when you have yeah, to be I, there. Yeah, but I technically don't haven't had to pay work since the IPO. Yeah. Of course, I'm not independently wealthy like Fred. Yeah. But I have enough money that I could live off. I could live the rest of my life without having to work. Yeah. Wouldn't be like super wealthy life, but. But it'd be secure. Yeah, secure. Yeah. Mostly because I spent all my money uh, getting a, a house without any loans on it. Yeah. So. But has that changed how you feel, like relate to the work? Has that well, changed it, your process? it changed some things in that I know that I don't have to work. Yeah. So I can I work because I want to, and that means that when you know that this is something you do because you want to, not because you're forced, it becomes some things becomes easier, some things becomes harder because, like at the imperator thing, we're like okay I was committed to making a game and then I worked, I worked insane hours and like I have to get this in, I have to make the game. It's like why am I stressing and burning myself? for a project where I don't need to work. Yeah. It's interesting. But that's a tough thing that, like, something I sometimes struggle, struggle with is, yeah. when I was a freelancer, yeah. there was that constant pressure of, like, if you do not finish this project, yeah. bad things are going to happen. Yeah. That makes it very easy to focus. Yeah. You know, like, silence is a lot of questions. Like, yeah. it's very simple when you're just like, yeah. finish this somehow. Yeah. Or else. Yeah. It gets very hard. It gets, it's, it, in some ways, there's less pressure, but it does get harder because suddenly you don't have to finish that project today. No. And you can take more time with it. Yeah, but then also, that would have been the same if I, if I was not at Paradox. Yeah. If I were working for myself, it would have been the same, that thing. But here it's that there's a lot of pe- other people working on a project. There's a lot of people's livelihood that depends on me making a good game and that's a little bit stressful that I'm doing this for fun they're doing this because they need the money for their lives and that's a lot of like am I making the right decisions that's an entirely different feeling I mean you've had that feeling to some extent for a while though because uh, you, you, you had design leadership for a long time. Yeah, for a long time. But when I, before the IPO, it was more like I never thought about. It was more like, okay, I'm going to create the games. Everything always works so great. It's like I've never had a game, a failed game launch in my life. Yeah. And Imperator wasn't failures, it's a financially successful game with high critics, but people didn't play it, and it just felt wrong. I enjoyed Imperator, but thought it was a bit trivial. I wrote in my review at the time, Wars eventually end, though, and Imperator struggles to find a purpose beyond them. It's the game's biggest drawback. In a surprisingly short amount of time, I often find myself secure from external attack, at peace with my political rivals, and governing over a largely tranquil and productive populace. Do you, do you feel like it was a failure? Yes, because the people didn't like it. I I did the wrong decisions in make in how to make the game. Because my view is not a game 
I'm not an artist. I'm not here to create something. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't create art. I'm not a craftsman or a factory worker that creates a product. I'm an entertainer. The stuff I create is there for people to be to, to entertain. Of course, you can't please everyone all the time, yeah. so you always have people that dislike stuff you create. But I think that the vast majority that buys a game and not return it within two hours should feel happy about the purchase and, be, and continue playing it. And when it's a grand strategy game, I think that you should be able to get 20 to 100 hours of enjoyment of it, depending on how you want to play. And people that bought Imperator did not get that. I had seven stages of grief over Derv. Yeah. Uh, I, had, I had to do something about it. I'm, and we're slowly working, and we think we did a lot of things to get the game to that better position now. And I want people, the people that have bought it, to have played the game. Some of the frustration around Imperator seemed to be that people, it was the story of familiarity breeds contempt. Suddenly, people were sick of mana systems. Yeah. Suddenly, people, and it felt to me, I'm like, and admittedly, I didn't follow. Like, I'm sure I did not follow as closely as you did. But it felt to me a little bit like what people were saying was. Oh, we've just seen we've seen your bag of tricks so many times. We've seen paradox games so many times. This doesn't feel new or exciting. It doesn't feel. And I wasn't sure. Like to me, I, it was tough for me to read that criticism and know what you were supposed to do uh, because to me it felt a little bit like was it that people weren't happy with Imperator, or was it just that they've been playing paradox games for years and maybe they're just a little tired of some of these design. All of the above. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, the primary thing was that it had a perceived lack of content because a lot of the content was character events that have happened and did with characters, and you could never see what happened to other characters. It was all hidden. That's yeah. It created like oh, there's lifeless, lifeless character was a yeah. perception there. Also. There was not the enough regional narrative, so it's like no major difference between the various nations, because we didn't have a lot of content or any like national ideas or anything like that at yeah. the start. We also had a lot of like direct action mechanics, which are more board game and less simulation, which is not really what the people expect from a PDS game. So. At launch, it was a good game. It was mechanically connected. The flow was correct. It was, I'd argue, bug-free and stable on those things. The reviews were good and everything was... But it was not a good PDS game. And that was the core thing. Not that I'm saying that PDS games are better than the games, but it was not the PDS game. Because it didn't wasn't enough simulation. wasn't enough perceived... Depth, uh, unperceived complexity. It felt, it didn't feel enough like a PDS game. Most critics likewise gave Imperator positive reviews, but the reaction from the community is very different. Hey. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In particular, people objected to what Paradox players call a mana system, where the game gives you resources that allow you to buy anything from technological breakthroughs to new generals to lead your armies. It is one of Johan's signature design ideas that he came up with when he made EU4, an idea that went a long way to simplifying Paradox's notoriously complex designs. You mentioned that like, you feel like you made the wrong decisions. Yeah. Um, like, do you know what those decisions were in retrospect? Adding mana. Yeah. Because the mana was added because it was a good idea in EU4. And then, and then we had to invent stuff that the various manas should be used for. That's a completely wrong approach for it. I mean, never, the military one, we never really had a use for. It's like you were either feast or famine with the resources. It did it. Like, in E4, it works because everything was designed around the powers and it was iterated. It was like the design was around it, I think. Yeah. Mana was a solution to the slider problem. Yeah. Stuff, right? Yeah, and the empty snowballing mechanism. Right, so it made the decisions that you made with sliders, it made those clear because that was a push of a button and the yeah. clear trade offs. Yeah. It fought snowballing because as you expanded, you kept having to spend mana to solve different yeah. problems and not progressing. Yeah, and you didn't get more mana, yes, because you were bigger. Those are still useful things yeah, to but, have in a PBS game. Yeah, but they were detached because they didn't really have as good connection as EU4. And you didn't use them for like core system like. Technology meant you constantly have to use it in EU4 and getting ideas and all of those things. But here it was like different things for different things. Some were, you spent a lot of small costs, some high costs, and it just didn't work great. But with the kicker update, we had uh, the political influence, which is technically a semi-abstracted resource, but the political influence you gain you use it for a lot of things, but you gain political influence depending on how loyal your government is. So if you have disloyal people in the government, you get less influence. You spend influence for laws and various things. And we moved a bunch of prices to like either cost tyranny or yeah. stability or those things and makes for a better game experience. But I wish we had done that from the start. But we would never would have without the feedback. Would that have ever been, like, had it even occurred to you before you got the feedback? No. The best decision you could have. Yeah, perhaps. But it's like, now it's a better game, it's a far better game, and the community was really great and helpful in making it. I'm curious, it sounds like the uh, Imperator launch was, was tough. It was, a dis- it was a disappointment, it was, it was an upsetting launch. What I, what I guess surprises me is, Paradox has had rough launches. Yeah, like, but uh, it's one thing with rough launches, and they're like, it's buggy, but I like the game. It's unfinished, but the game is good. 
but they did not like the game enough to play it. And it was pretty finished. Yeah, that's completely different. It's like, I, I was there for Hot Shot and Free. It was unoptimized, it was buggy as hell, but people liked the game. Yeah, I think famously at one point, I think after um, Rome 2 came out for Creative, creative Assembly, Rome yeah. 2, uh, I sort of laughed at the idea that I could ever salvage that game into being a good one. And I said, well, you can't, you can't retroactively patch in a game design. Yeah. Uh, but it does look like you're, you're on the way to just proving it, right? Like that's yeah, you can of, always change a game. If you're changing core mechanics, that's easy if you know what you want to do. It's harder if you want to like change a lot of things, like well, graphics and such. But changing game mechanics is always doable if you have an idea of what you want to do. You know, you're sort of putting Imperator back on the rails. That's sort of a tough experience. That is the sort of experience that kind of changes your outlook in some ways. Yeah. It changes how you approach your work. Uh, on the other side of that, like, does is it was it also an experience that makes you think like Fuck, man. Maybe I should retire. Like I, 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 did, I did actually think about that quite a lot in the weeks after the launch. Yeah. But then I went like, I don't want to, to end my career with a failure. Yeah. So like, I want to turn this around, or at least try to turn it around. Yeah. What's your ambition? You know, it's because you've achieved a lot, and so I think this is you're at an interesting point in your career because you're, you're finding different motivations. You are. I, I, I want uh, Imperator to be amongst the most played PDS games. That's my short-term ambition. Yeah. Long-term ambition, I don't really know what game I want to make next. Yeah. So you want to make a game? Yeah, I think so. Or at least currently I want to help uh, the guys that are working on new games to see what we can do at Center. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I need to figure out what uh, my next long-term goal is. Victoria 3 is still out there. After, I've, I've said that to people, I do not dare to be the game director of Victoria 3 after the Imperator release. The expectations are beyond. Yeah. So, if we ever make that game, it's not going to be me as a game director. Fuck no. <laughs> uh, any other subjects that you're like... That I might want to make a game about. Like, is there anything left? Are there any stories in history left? I that would like, have loved to do a fantasy game in one day. Yeah? I would have loved. Master still calling you? I would have loved to reboot Rune Master, but that ship was saved a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we'll see. I'm, the thing is, like, I don't need to stress. Ambition. I continue working. I work as creative director. I help the other people yeah. get the games towards what they should do. Train new game directors. Get to do fun shit like this. If you were giving advice to the younger version of yourself, right? Like if if, if there were a there were a Johan, you know, age twenty two or something, just starting out, would you say like go be a designer of Paradise? Go work? Or would you say was, go find a startup? Uh, I was uh, already at Paradox when I was 22, so I would, I, I would just tell my 22-year-old, don't be a, such a fucking coward all the thing. Take more risks. Do you think, like, coming into the industry today as it currently stands, would the risk, would the, would the risk be, like, try to work your way up at Paradox, or would it be go strike out on your own and try to start something new? I don't know. Because when I started at Paradox, we were, or I started games, was a 
part of a big company doing other things. Yeah. Like uh, board games and role playing games, and community is a small part. And then that got got bought out. And then basically, Fred, Theo, me, Susanna, Lena bought Paradox Interactive for one krona from Paradox Entertainment because they wanted to like shut down the developer. Yeah. Well, one of the best deals ever. Deal of a lifetime, yeah. Yeah. Theo, was, Theo and Fred was fronting all the financial risk, that's why they got the big shares. Russ was got 2.5% of the company. But, uh, when do you think you were powered your career? Curious. Like, when you look back, like, oh, I should have been braver here, I should have had more nerve. A lot of uh, private stuff and a lot of uh, game development things. Like, I should, should have been cockier at times, but nah, it's fine. You know who you are. Yeah. It's me. It's like, I want to change a thing. Because I don't like changing. Yeah. It's all worked out. Yeah. It's like, I can't complain. I have money in the bank. I get a beautiful wife. And I get a cool kid. And I got the best job in the world. Things worked out well for Johan. In many ways, his is the ideal game success story. The creative entrepreneurial ideal. He worked hard to get a new company off the ground with lots of fresh ideas for a different kind of strategy game than was common at the time. Now he's financially secure and comfortable as he enters the autumn of his career. But I also find myself thinking about the freelancers who were kept waiting for payments all those years ago, who were forced to assume risks on behalf of Paradox without any of the equity rewards. Similar things happened to me in my career, and I've never quite been able to forgive people for whom late payments and broken promises became anecdotes about those scrappy days before they made it big. It also highlights an omission in the usual narrative about Swedish labor practices. While the great many northern and western European countries do enjoy strong worker protections, the divide between full-time employees versus contractors and freelancers can be no less profound there than in the American corporate model. Labor laws are only as good as their inclusiveness is when it comes to the definition of who is a worker. But I also find admirable the degree to which Johan still measures success by the fun he created for players. By most measures, Imperator was a success story. Good reviews and good sales is a combination that most developers would happily take. But Johan still wants to make games that people love. That does it for this edition of Waypoint Radio. Be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. I think we're a five-star podcast, but it's not for me to say. You can follow everything we do on Twitter at Waypoint and find our website at waypoint.vice.com. This episode was produced by Ricardo Contreras. Theme music was the track Miss You by Bowen off the EP Pale Machine. You can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen, B-O-E-N. We'll have another episode of Waypoint Radio later this week. In the meantime, continue to question the neoliberal consensus. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.